You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. What we're doing today is, is something fun for me. It's something special, and it's something vital for the church. And we're going to talk about how Jesus rescued humanity. And we're starting that series today, and we're going to look at the cross, uh, what we would call Good Friday. And then next week, we're going to look at the, the day after and see how people were just in waiting. And then on Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world and how Jesus defeated death. And I'm just excited about this series. But what we have to answer, I think, is for there to be a rescue, then someone has to be in trouble. And I don't know about you, I'm all for a good rescue. We, Me and my little boy, we watch a show called Rescue Bots. I love it. Um, I'm probably not supposed to sit there the whole time and watch it with him. But it's just so entertaining to me because these these robots turn into police cars and fire trucks and they turn into like robots that can walk around and they're always doing something awesome. They're rescuing people. But did we really need rescuing? And that's a question that we have to answer this morning, because if we didn't need that, then what's the point of the cross? If we didn't need to be rescued, then what's the point of Jesus coming, living a perfect life, dying on the cross, and then defeating death on Easter Sunday? What's the point of that if we didn't need it? So I think it's important for us this morning to look at who we are as humanity and see that we did in fact need rescuing and that we still do. Because we're not perfect. Even the husbands in here that think that we are, we're just not perfect. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever tried to rescue someone that didn't really need rescuing. Has anybody ever been there? So that's my personality. When someone starts telling me about a problem or an issue, my first reaction is to listen, of course. But as I'm listening, I'm concocting some elaborate rescue plan in my head. Like I'm about to rescue them. I'm going to save their life. And then by the end of the conversation, I realized they don't really need that. They just wanted to vent and talk to me. And I kind of get humbled a little bit, realizing that, hey, they didn't really need me to do anything. But listen, yay for me for being the rescuer. <laughs> so I, I get there, right? But that's not the truth of humanity. The truth of humanity is we needed someone to rescue us. And here's the reason why we see this in scripture. There's going to be a lot of scripture today because what I want us to, to never do is to just make stuff up and think that we know what happened. We want to get it from the word of God. So this morning, we're going to look through a lot of scripture and we're going to see how Jesus rescued us. In Romans 3.23, we see that we've all sinned. We're all sinners. No matter, again, no matter how perfect that you may think you are, no matter how perfect I think I am, I have sinned. 
And you start thinking about the Ten Commandments and the law, and you can get two or three deep, and we are, we're all guilty at that point. Now, I try not to lie, but I can't stand up here and tell you that I don't ever lie. I try not to steal, but hey, I'm going to be transparent. There's pens that I really like. And if I'm at a restaurant and I really like the pen, I'm probably going to take it. I'm just being honest with you. None of us are perfect. All of us have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. God is perfection. God is holy. And God requires that of us. And that's scary when we hear that and we think, man, God requires us to be holy. There's no way that we could ever be that. And that's exactly right. And that's why we're talking about Jesus coming to the rescue. Because we can't be that. But because of Him, we can. So we're all sinners. What does is, what is sin do? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Our sin is punishable by death. Eternal separation from God. Our sin... The sentence of our sin is hell. A real place of agony and pain and suffering and complete separation from Almighty God. That's what we deserve as sinners. That's what our sin has done to us. And the wages of sin is death. And then if you just keep reading... In that verse, it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Meaning that, hey, we can't earn this. It's a free gift from God. And we see that he became that perfect lamb, that perfect sacrifice for us. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 puts it this way, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So here's the truth. Here's the context. Here's the background. Sin entered the world. And because of that sin and because of my sin and because of your sin, we deserve an eternity in hell separated from God. We don't deserve anything more than that. And, and then we, we look at our culture and how we think that we, we deserve more and more and more in this life when Scripture teaches that we deserve nothing except separation from God. And this is really gloomy and dark. But this is the reason we needed to be rescued. And it's important for us to understand this concept of sin, this concept of falling away from God, in order for us to truly understand and grasp and accept the rescue of Jesus. Because if you understand the problem, 
the rescue is that much more sweet. And I don't know about you, but I know my sin. And I know where I've been in life. And I know what the rescue has done for me. And that's what this series is about. And that's what the gospel is about. All three weeks of this series, we're going to present the gospel. And it's that you don't deserve Jesus, but he loves you anyway. And that he rescued you. And my prayer for us is that as we, as we dig into this, as we examine the truth of the cross, we examine the truth of just waiting around on Jesus to do whatever he was going to do, and then we examine how he defeated death, that our lives will never be the same, that we'll view this in a different way, that we'll have a different perspective on what God really did through his son. And that we can never be the same as we are right now in this moment. So I want to pray for us and then we're going to jump in. And I'm going to give you just a few points of what we can learn from the cross this morning. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you speak through your spirit this morning. God, I pray that if there's anything in this room that is hindering someone from hearing from you, God, that you remove that obstacle and that barrier right now. God, I pray that lives and hearts are forever changed. We give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 27 this morning, and we're going we're gonna to read about the death, just a few verses, the death of Jesus. But this is what Paul said to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, he said this, For I have delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the church, said, Hey, this is of first importance. The cross of Christ is the focus. And that's why we say that here, that we're always focused on the cross. The cross is the center of everything that we do as Christians. And we're going to realize this morning why that is. We're going to realize how the rescue really started. So Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 45, says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lima Shabbatani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Man, there's so much more that we could read about this, and the, the hours and days that led up to the cross, but what I want us to focus on is the moment 
this time frame that Jesus was hanging on the cross where he had lived a perfect life. We read in Peter and Hebrews that he was the perfect sacrifice for us. He was the perfect lamb. He was sinless. And then we see starting in verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. The first thing I want us to see from the cross is that Jesus bore our sinfulness. That Jesus bore our sinfulness onto himself. So as we see that the, the whole earth went dark for three hours, the darkness fell over the earth. And not only that, Jesus cries out and says, why have you forsaken me? And this is the moment in time where it's believed that the sins of the world were poured onto Jesus. That my sin and your sin were poured on the shoulders and the back of our Savior. The perfect Jesus. The perfect Christ. The perfect Messiah who didn't deserve death. Hanging on a cross. And in this moment, he bore the sins of the world. And I want you to get this today. That here's a perfect Savior who could easily save himself from this. Who could easily walk away and say, you know what, I changed my mind. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want the sins of the world on my shoulders. Because he didn't deserve it. And he knew that even though he bore the sins of the world, that there were still many that would reject him. Man, I saw a video one time of a, of a teacher trying to teach what the cross really means and how Jesus really died for every person. And she had a box of donuts and she walked to the first person in the class, sat down and she said, would you like this donut? It's been paid for by 10 push-ups from this guy, Eric, in your class. So he's standing in the front. She says, of course, I want a donut. He does 10 push-ups. She goes to the next person, puts the donut down. They say they want the donut. He does 10 more push-ups. This goes on about five times, and by the 50th push-up, he is just hurting. He can barely do push-ups anymore, and he continues to encourage people to take the donut. And the teacher gets to the sixth person, and it's this jock in the class, and he's like, man, I, I don't want a donut. He doesn't have to do push-ups for me. So he declines the donut, and Eric still does 10 push-ups. And they kind of get a little confused and they go to the next person. The next person declines the donut and Eric still does 10 push-ups. And man, and, and the girls in the class that are really good friends with Eric, none of the guys like him because he's just a little outcast and he's really a puny guy and he's really scrawny. And these girls stand up and they start to cry out for him because they say, hey, we don't want the donut. You don't have to do the push-ups. And he's encouraging them, take the donut. I'm paying for it anyway. And this is the picture of the cross. Even if you say no, Jesus has already paid the price. 
Jesus already bore your sins on the cross. And you can reject it and you can say no. And he's crying out, telling you, go ahead and take it. I've already paid for it. I've already paid the price. And so many people still reject the free gift of salvation through Jesus. But the truth remains that he bore the sins of the world, of everyone. Not just the, the special people, not just the handsome people, not just the tall people, thank God. But everyone, everyone. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Of everyone. Jesus took the sin of the world on his shoulders. The entire earth fell dark. And he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God, in his holiness, can't look at sin. So when the sin of the world is upon Jesus, man, I can imagine how he just felt forsaken and abandoned in that moment. But ultimately knowing the plan of God. Ultimately knowing this was part of the rescue. But man, it doesn't make it feel any better. Can you imagine the pain and the suffering. It wasn't just a physical darkness. It was a spiritual darkness that fell over the world at this time. The second thing we can learn from the cross is that Jesus broke down the separation. That Jesus broke down the separation. We see in verse 51, the veil was torn. It says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Now, the ones that were here in attendance at this event, there's no way they would have known that this was happening. Right? The curtain of the temple was torn. And you may be thinking, why is that important? What does that even mean? And I want us to, to just kind of dig into this a little bit. But we see in Exodus 26, verses 31 through 33, it's talking about the curtain, the veil, to, to put up in the temple. And it says this, and you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. It shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it and you shall hang it on four pillars of overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold on four bases of silver. And you shall hang the veil from the clasps and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. And the veil shall separate you, the holy place from the most holy. So here's the deal. Here's the temple. There's a little picture that I have for you. I, I was going to show you the whole thing, but I, I'm just going to explain. So there's a, there's an outside portion of this temple where the Gentiles could go and they could just hang out. They weren't worthy enough to actually enter into the court. And then there's this gate, the beautiful gate that was really heavy. It took about 20 people to open it up. The Gentiles could not go into that. So there was a, another little outer court. And then you walk in and this is the very inside of the temple. 
And we have two different places here. So we have the holy place, the Hikal, and then we have the holy of holies, the most holy. And what would happen here is one time a year, on the day of atonement, the priest could go in to the most holy place, the holy of holies. And that's where the presence of God would reside. And man, this was such a, a magical moment, a magnificent moment, a powerful moment with the presence of God that they would literally tie a rope to the priest's foot in case he wasn't as pure and holy as he was pretending to be. And he would die in the presence of God and they would have to pull him out. This was the way before Jesus that they went to God. There was a, a curtain, a veil that separated the presence of God from humanity. And then we see that Jesus broke down the separation on the cross. Let me read verse 51 again. It says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. He tore it down. No longer were, was it needed to have a priest go in to offer sacrifice in the presence of God. Jesus said, no, I'm the way to God now. There's no more separation. There's no more veil. There's no more curtain. You can get to the Father through me. Man, and how amazing this is for us, that we have direct access to God Almighty, the creator of the world, through Jesus. And this is how much the rescue means for us. Is that he broke down the separation. He broke down the wall. And he said, hey, come to me. And I'll give you direct access to the Father. And we see, man, there's multiple verses. But Hebrews 6, 19 and 20 it's one of my favorite that talks about this. It says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever. And then Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says, therefore, brother, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. We have an anchor for our soul. We have a, a confidence to enter the throne room of God because of the rescue of Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever allowed this to sink in and to penetrate the deepest parts of who you are, but this is life-changing. Can you imagine having to, to do a lot of different sacrificial things in order to have one priest one time a year go into this place where the, the glory of God rests and you're trusting in this one priest, this human 
And it's hard for us to imagine that because we don't have to deal with that because we have the confidence and the assurance of the anchor of Jesus who paid the price and broke down the separation for us. And what are we doing with that as Christ followers? Are we living that out? Are we truly allowing God to do something crazy in our lives? Now we talk about being wrecked by the Spirit and allowing God to just do things He's never done before within us. And I think that if we can understand how the rescue really impacts the history of the world. And it can really do something within us. It can really spark something within us. But not only did Jesus bore our sinfulness, not only did he break down the separation, but we see that he brought a spiritual shift. It says the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Romans 8, 3 and 4 says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is what Jesus did. He shifted things. He said, hey, you don't have to follow these requirements in order to be saved. I am the only way to God. I am the only way to salvation. It's not about this do's and don'ts and this list and this, this law. I fulfilled that. He shifted things spiritually. And thank God for that. Thank God that we don't have to, to be perfect because he's perfect. And we started this saying, how, how do we feel when God can only look at perfection and holiness and righteousness? And we say, that's not us. Well, man, Scripture teaches us that He sees the righteousness of Jesus in us when we follow Him. Who He doesn't see me. He doesn't see my filthiness and my sin. It's been covered by the blood of Jesus. And that's what the rescue's all about. The rescue's about sinful people being forever saved by a holy, perfect, loving God. And he, he shifted things spiritually. And as, as we finish up this morning, and I want to read Luke's account of this. And in Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 39, he says, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. 
And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here's the picture. We have Jesus who doesn't deserve any of this. Two criminals hanging next to him. One mocking him and saying, hey, if you're truly the God, the Savior, the Messiah, then save yourself and save us. And the other criminal saying, hey, this is the Messiah of the world who doesn't deserve the punishment, but we do. And then he says, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus said, hey, you'll be with me today in paradise. And my question for us this morning is, which side of the cross are you on? Which side of the cross are you on this morning? And are you, are you living a life that is mocking Jesus? Are you living a life that says, man, you know what? I have plenty of time to, to live that out. I have plenty of time to accept that into my life. I understand that I'm, I'm a sinner, but I'm really not that bad, and I don't really need a rescue. Are you on the other side of the cross saying, God, I know that my sin has separated me from you. And I know you didn't deserve death, but you did it anyway for my sake. Remember me. And I want to follow you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be in community with you. Which side of the cross are you on? And this morning, we're going we're gonna to have an invitation and an altar call. We're going to just sing. And as we stand together, what I, what I want you to do this morning is, and I want you to, to reflect and to, to think about your life. I want you to think about your sinfulness. I want you to think about how you needed a rescue. And then I want you to answer the question, which side of the cross are you on? Do you still need to make the decision to accept what Jesus did and to be rescued for all of eternity? To truly take the step of faith to follow after Him for the first time? Because it's more than just a head knowledge of what happened. It's a hard experience to truly experience the rescue and the love and the power of Jesus. And maybe you've done that. Maybe you've taken that step and you just haven't began to follow after Him the way that He really wants you to. And maybe the Spirit's convicting you this morning and saying, hey, it's time for you to take your next step. It's time for you to be baptized and to, to follow me. It's time for you to make that public profession of faith. Or maybe for some of you, it's time that you take it a little more seriously. Maybe it's time for you to, to join in in what God's doing and to be the part of the body that He's called you to be. As we talked about last week, to give whatever it is He's called you to give in your role in the body and allow Him to multiply that like only He can. There's decisions to be made this morning. Tyler and myself will be up here to pray with you, to talk with you. We're going to sing a little bit. 
And I just want you to get personal and intimate with the Savior this morning and to be obedient to whatever it is the Spirit is calling you to do. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.